needs to be moved. Yeah. You know what I don't have a key. Thank you. I give it to you when you're on the stage. Hey, this is James Mushler from Moon Hooch, and you're listening to Baz Reviews, BazCast. This is Michael Wilbur from Moon Hooch, and you're listening to Baz Reviews, BazCast. Good evening, everybody. I'm live here from the Beachland Ballroom and Tavern, and tonight I'm joined by three great guys. I'm joined by Vensel, James, and Michael from Moon Hooch. How are you guys doing this evening? Fantastic. Doing great. Great. Welcome to Cleveland, and it's great to see you guys here. I've been wanting to see you guys for quite a while. And Every time we come to Cleveland, we're all excited. Yeah, absolutely. Especially me, because I'm from here. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland Heights, right? Yeah. Nice, awesome. Yeah. Um, but how's the tour been going so far? Swimmingly. <laughs> Yeah, yesterday was a bit, a bit rusty. I cut my finger a couple weeks ago and wasn't practicing drums for the past couple weeks. So really? Wow. Yeah, it was rusty for me. But tonight would be better. Yeah, I'm really excited though. It should be an awesome show. Um, um, yesterday was our first stop in Columbus. Uh-huh. So in this leg, we are only doing four shows. Mm-hmm. I think Cleveland is my favorite. Is there any reason why? Yeah, because James lives here. Uh, yeah, he grew up here. He has a mushroom farm in his backyard. Really? Which I'm very excited to see. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Uh, but how many times have you guys been to Cleveland in the past? 84. Really? Yeah. Wow, it's a lot. We've been touring since 1644. <laughs> on horse and carriage. Oh, man. Remember that first tour? It took us, like... 14 weeks to get here. It's right, right, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, there was no trails. I know. Yeah, and and one of our horses ended up dying, so we had to have two people on one horse. I know, right? And then one person with all yeah. the gear on that's, the other. That's right? absolutely brutal. And they were doing podcasts, right? With, like piece of wood that they wouldn't even record or right. anything. You know, you had the phonograph and everything yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true, yeah. exactly. No, that came later, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys have any like fun memories from playing shows here in the past? Yeah. Once uh, a rocket came through the roof, what? And s- smashed into the audience, and everybody like screaming ah, around. Yeah, uh huh. It was real crazy. That's. I, I, was, like, I have never seen anything like that. that. That is crazy. You know, I just I've never seen that up there. So you know, it's uh, it's been a once in a lifetime thing. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm just in a goofy mood. <laughs> it's uh, all right. Don't worry about it. That didn't happen. Well, oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had to suspend my disbelief there, but you know, it's whatever. Well, I heard you guys were working on a new roof, so that would make sense if that did happen. Right, yeah. Wait, they're actually working on a new roof? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I know um, you, Michael, you are originally from, uh, you're originally from Boston, you attended UMass, but then you um, actually moved to New York City to go to the new school, but what would you say was like the biggest difference between, you know, the music scene in Boston and then uh, the music scene in New York City? Um, well... UMass Amherst is not in Boston, it's in Amherst. Yeah, it's right outside, is, but... It's like two and a half hours west. So yeah. It's really in the woods. Yeah, you're right. So there's not really a music scene there besides the people that go, to school, that go to school there and stayed there. You yeah. Know? So it's like very small. Yeah. Um, New York City is obviously one of the biggest cities in the country, so mm. there's a much larger music scene, much more volume of players and people there yeah absolutely 
Um, but like, you know, you were kind of getting yourself involved within the DIY scene when you moved to Bushwick. What can you, like, tell me about that um, and how it kind of impacted your career as a whole? Uh, well, I was living in 1012 Willoughby. Uh, we all were. And in my apartment, we were throwing shows really? every weekend. That's awesome. Um, so I got involved with a lot of different musicians through that connection. Um, and yeah, uh, I learned a lot from everybody's varying styles and energy. Yeah, New York, especially even Brooklyn too. It's just got a huge, vibrant scene, so you'll be able to find anything there, absolutely. Mm -hmm. A lot of different kinds of people. Right, yeah. And you guys got your start, you know, busking on the New York City, like, subway platforms. You know, like, do you guys have any, like, fun memories or, like, reactions from people oh, that you kind of got from dude, that? I have, I have one that I always think about whenever anyone asks me that. We were, like, playing for eight hours on a Saturday night, yeah. and by that point it was, like, three in the morning. And this guy was, like, totally inebriated, yeah. and, but he was also, like, friendly and he was enjoying the music. And uh -huh. he leaned in to whisper something in my ear made sense because I was playing at the time oh. and he ended, he just licked my ear oh <coughs> and uh, Damn. I was like oh boy yeah <laughs> that's that's gross that was gross yeah, yeah like were people really like that harsh uh I mean dude uh, I mean one time separate from Moon Hooch I was playing tabla down 14th street and uh, this dude like kicked a can like a Pepsi can at me wow and then said go back or go to Africa <sighs> really yeah, that's. Just, I mean, like, why do people do that? Honestly, like, there's no point. If you're like out there making music, having fun doing it, like, why not, right? Yeah. Yeah, but do you guys like miss busking, or is like the energy and authenticity like still there with you know performing live on stage and in other venues like that? I mean, any you know any opportunity to play music for people is you know something that is a gift you know for all of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Just make the most of it, you know. Right, yeah. yeah. Would you guys say that you, like, prefer performing live rather than, like, working on new songs in the studio, or are they kind of equal? I like both. It really depends on the vibe, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, I think any amazing thing can be terrible if the vibe isn't right. Mm -hmm. And every boring thing can be amazing if the vibe is right. Right. Like, this one time we just spent all day standing in the parking lot next to a music shop, and it was one of the most amazing times we've spent together because it was just the vibe was like as if we were on a sunny beach sipping tequila on a palm tree but really it was just a parking lot and everybody's laughing having such a great time another time we were playing a huge festival and we got in a fight right before and we had a miserable time so you know it's like the external things don't matter as much as what's the, the emotional dynamic how you feel about yourself and the group but what is like the significance behind the band's name Moon Hooch? Is there any or is there not? Uh, we were asked, uh, or someone asked Mike what our band name was. And we were like playing in the subway for two months up to this point. And he blurted Moon Juice just from the top of his head. And so we went by that for a while and then uh, found out that there was like eight other bands by that name. And yeah. people on the L train started, you know, recognizing us as moon juice so we just changed juice to hooch because they're kind of the same thing wow yeah <laughs> so is it true that the band Sistine criminals thinks that moon hooch you know you guys stole their sound um, how did you hear about that i don't know you guys are a great find yeah there's a story there yeah. i mean like because uh greg scruloni and aaron burnett were playing in the subway at the same time and uh you know, there are similarities in the fact that uh, Aaron Burnett is a sax player and Greg Scaloni is a drummer, you know. Mike and Wensler are sax players, I'm a drummer, 
Right. At the time, I was really inspired by Greg Scarulloni. Like I, you know, loved drum and bass and been into it for a long time. And he was like the first drummer that really inspired me to like start working on it. And not gonna lie, I definitely like transcribed some of his drumming, you know. But um, it's it's all just language, you know. Like Greg or any other drummer, they don't own rhythms, you know. They don't own like it's all you know the language of drum and bass is totally uh, based on improvisation absolutely yeah and uh, there's also differences in the aesthetic you know but um, I mean everyone was down the subway like all of our friends were you know busking or trying to make money one way or the other playing music and some people went to the subway you know and uh, Sistine Criminals was one of them and we were another and there were a bunch of others um, I think it's also a matter of inspiration like we inspire people that then do the same thing we do and or similar things and then they use it for their success and I think think that in music that is just how it works like you hear a musician you get inspiration and you add your own original thing to it I personally I wasn't so much inspired by Aaron Burnett it's just his style of playing isn't I generally like more accessible, simple stuff, but I think that, you know, like James said, you know, his drumming inspired him and helped him in his music career, and I think a large part of why they think we stole the thing is because they, they weren't as, they weren't very successful, and, and we were successful, and then they were upset about that. That's interesting though, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you were going earlier, I mean, like, you guys are moot moot, we have to know, in the words of Narvar, we have to know about this story. Yeah, um, well, who, who asked you? Or what, what led you to ask that question? I'm afraid I cannot reveal my sources. That's cool, yeah. that's cool. I, I, tried to, I tried to do the best research I could. No, oh, yeah, a, bu a bunch of my friends were hitting me up saying, like, yo, this dude hit me up asking questions about you. <laughs> this dude, William. <laughs> um, like, a, a, a few, like, five of my friends. Uh -oh. So you must be digging deep. I tr I tried. I mean, that's that's what that I. That's good. That's why. Good. I Thank yeah. you so much. It's yeah. better than doing like a boring interview. It's better like. What else do you, I'm I'm interested to know what else you uncovered. Like, we'll okay, see uh, as the interview goes on. All right. Well, maybe Mike should make a statement about you know. About Aaron and yeah. uh, you know I think Aaron Burnett is a great saxophonist and he has definitely inspired me. And we've had a few rough patches, but I got nothing but respect for him. And same goes for Greg. I, you know, I've never had any problems with Greg. And uh, you know, we're both just saxophone players in a crazy competitive world. Absolutely. And shit gets heated sometimes. It's all good. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, the idea to um, play house music with two saxophones and a drum was actually. Um, and it came out of the fact that we were playing, me and Wenzel were playing on the street a lot. Uh -huh. And then he uh, got a gig on a cruise ship. And really? while he was there, he, got, he learned Ableton, which is a. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, he got into producing house music. And then at that point, that's when we started playing house in the street. Before, because before that, it was just jazz. Yeah, so the incentive like... was not assisting criminals, yeah. it was Wenzel. Right. 
Um, but like you know, like I, you know, I, I noticed your music. It's kind of like it's a mix between jazz. It's got some dance, you know, as they say. It's like you know, cave music. But I've heard that you have a huge love for hip hop, there, uh, Mike. What can you tell me about that? And name your top three hip hop albums. Um, I would say Illmatic, Nas, mm. number one. Good pick. Um, Thirty Six Chambers of Doom. And while, while we're on that real quick, you know, I have a little, uh, here it is, I have a small, small token of my appreciation. No fucking way. No. A copy Dude. Oh, that's so of sick. Enter the 36th Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. And, uh, third, I would probably say The Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox. That is actually an interesting pick. I, I don't know. I, I, I like their stuff, but I feel like... I think one of my favorites for me, it's another Wu Tang. I like uh, I like Jizz's album a lot, like with yeah. swords. Oh dude. It's I mean so well it's hard to pick favorites, but I think those three are the three albums that really shaped me the most hmm. as like a rapper and a musician in general. But like it seems that like also Moon Hooch, you know, as you guys mentioned, you guys are huge on like improvisation within songs, but like who first got you guys into the art of improv and kind of digging deeper than you guys could musically? Uh, for each of us, it was separate, you know, I mean, like, uh, we're, you know, we were playing instruments as kids, you know, and eventually we got into jazz, you know, which is, you know, uh, improvisation, you know, right. by, uh, by nature, you know. What's up, guys? And it was uh, that love of improvisation getting to the, you know, the source or whatever. You know, we're all on John Coltrane. Yes, um, absolutely. Like super fans, mm -hmm. and uh, I think the energy of that quartet really um, kind of brought me, Mike and Wenzel, on like a similar. Um, that was just one thing that like we all loved, right. you know. And I feel like the energy that that group um, inspired us, you know, like I feel like that has inspired us to, you know, play very energetic music and from the heart and the soul. Yeah, absolutely. But like. Mike, I, I hear that you have a large collection of different saxophones. You know, you play at least, I think, three or four, right? You play tenor, you play... Barry. Barry. Bass. Bass. And then don't you play contrabass clarinet, right? Or am I... He I plays contrabass clarinet. Ah, my bad. Yeah, but like, uh, on your different collection of saxophones, tell me the story about the time you got Sonny Stitz horn. He's a big jazz figure. Well, I was uh, playing with these guys on the, sh on the top of... Uh, on the roof of this dude's house, Miguel really? Manuel, who Wenzel knew from Portugal, and he had given Wenzel his saxophone, actually. Mm. And we were playing on his roof, drinking, it was a party, and he's like, you wanna play Sonny Stitt's horn? And I was like, yeah, definitely. So he went downstairs and he pulled it out. I played it, and he's like, if you love it, you can have it. Really? That's awesome. And I loved it. How did he get it, you know? eBay. eBay. Yeah. That's, an that's an interesting find, though, on eBay, you know? Yeah, yeah. you find a lot of interesting things. I know. I, I, I found my contrabass clarinet there. Really? Yeah. I'm sure you can get them for cheaper than you could on, like, you know, regular well, like or whatever. eBay, it really depends. Yeah. Like, you can... I also that's try to buy, okay. buy a saxophone, which ended up being a scam, you know, so... See, yeah, you know, you, you do take that risk, but, you know, you could end up getting some good deals here and there. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like, if you could perform, while we're on the topic of Sonny Stitt, famous jazz, jazz figure, like... If you could perform with any live musician, living or dead, who would it be and why? <laughs> John Coltrane. 
because he's the greatest improv, you know, improviser of all time. Absolutely, he's a great. Yeah. I think maybe Keith Jarrett. I mean, John Coltrane too, but you know, Keith Jarrett is also one of the greatest yeah. improvisers. Yeah. I feel like playing duo with Keith Jarrett, doing a, making a duo album with Keith Jarrett, would be pretty. That would be a dream for sure. I was thinking like Merce Cunningham. I'm not sure I know who he is. He's um, John Cage's partner. Oh, okay, Cage, yeah. And uh, he was kind of the father of modern abstract expressionist dance mm. ballet. Really? So you you want to do like you know you'd be playing on the sax and then he'd be kind of like you know dancing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, okay. moving. Is this still alive? No. Yeah, uh, but a little bit into your personal life here. Like, what can you tell me about you know your relationships with not only like you know working out on the road? You guys all seem to be really big into that, but like boxing and like other forms of martial arts, like Mai Tai and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've since I was young, I have been interested in martial arts uh, and practice martial arts. I started with karate when I was mm -hmm. seven, and um, did a mixture of MMA boxing, kickboxing, throughout my life. Yeah. And now I'm mostly focused on boxing. Yeah, but um, I, I find it ver a very musical activity and very um, expressive. Awesome, yeah. And I also really admire, like, everyone, you know, you guys are, like, super involved with, like, sustainable living theories, you know. You guys are also going carbon neutral, is that correct? Yeah, yeah well, we teamed up with this organization to uh, that did a bunch a bunch of calculation on our tour schedule you know they knew like what kind of plane we were flying what vehicle you know how many miles and at the end of the year they calculated that carbon footprint and then planted enough trees that would offer that you know so the carbon that we put into the atmosphere uh, will get reabsorbed by these trees um, but we've uh, you know just been trying to scrape by and try to figure out what expenses we need to eliminate in order to get ourselves out of some trouble. Great for you guys. So, um, yeah, right we now just we're raising money to plant trees. Yeah. Awesome. And, and do permaculture garden events with the Permaculture Action Network to offset our carbon through those activities. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. But like, when did you guys like, I mean, you guys kind of explored it, but like, when did you guys first start exploring these ideas and like how they could kind of alter your life in a different way? Was this after this event or was it not? I think my ex-girlfriend, Dara, was a huge influence on all of us mm -hmm. yeah. because she was so committed to dedicating her life to the bettering of this planet and herself and helping people <coughs> around her and she was also vegan and she was very aware of factory farm practices mm -hmm. and the impact of the food industry and the impact of using fossil fuel powered vehicles such as airplanes and, and cars. So she gradually, I think, educated me and, and all of us just by being herself. And I remember having in the beginning, you know, disagreements with her because I was deeply affected by pop culture or not pop culture, but the, by the belief to just be out for yourself and just maximize your own gain. And gradually, I think it changed me and made me want to dedicate my life as well to to a more sustainable future excellent um but i know you guys have like a new album in the works that's set to drop i think january of next year can you guys like tell me a little bit about what it's going to have in store coming up the new album i think it's the most live album 
we have recorded thus far. Mm -hmm. Because it actually was written during sound checks, most of it. It's little improvised sections that we've put together during sound checks and that evolved over the years as we played them live in different clubs. And so it, it really is the essence of our <coughs> live performance and it's, it has it carries that energy. Awesome, great. Um, but like, what do you want people out there listening to my podcast to know about Moon Booch and you know, your goals for the future or whatever? I think that vibration is powerful. Wonderful. And um, what music goals would you guys say that you have for the future? You, know, you guys are touring the new album, but is there anything else on your plate that you guys want to accomplish in the, in the near future? Um, <coughs> I want to enter like a composing phase awesome. of my life, yeah. Awesome. I feel like I've done a lot of like practicing and it would be cool to like write some material, you know, that's concrete. Excellent. Right. More often, you know. Um, Right now I'm working on a solo set, and um, which I actually just released, and uh, I want to continue developing that, and also uh, work on integrating more modular synthesizers, and um, modular house techno sounds to the band. Yeah, I think 2020 we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of electronic music and branch out and explore more our passion in that direction. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Best of luck for the rest of your show and um, best of luck on the rest of your tour. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, so Thanks for having us. Absolutely.